Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. Today, we're going to speak with Giovanni DiNapoli. He is the president of the gastrointestinal business. Interesting origin story from Giovanni. And of course, uh, the gastrointestinal business is building out a uh, really exciting pipeline. So uh, anxious to have you hear this interview. But first, let's hear from John Kowola. He is the CEO of Boston Microfabrication. John, tell us what BMF does. BMF is an additive manufacturing company. It was started in 2017. And we started this company to address uh, a problem and an opportunity that we see out there in the market for companies that typically make parts that require very high tolerance. And, and when, I, when I talk about high tolerance, I mean plus or minus you know, tens of microns. These can be larger parts, but they tend to be smaller parts in general, parts that are sort of on the millimeter scale. This is in medical device. This is in electronics. This is in uh, photonics and optics. And 3D printing has been around for 30 years, but there hasn't really been a technology to date that can effectively prototype at that scale. You know, more interestingly, uh, companies are looking to, th to think beyond prototyping and look at additive manufacturing as an alternative to what they're using today for, for manufacturing. So that's really what we're all about. And, uh, you know, we're out there, we commercialized the technology, started selling uh, to uh, getting systems in the field, making parts for customers uh, in early 2020. We'll hear more from John Kowola in just a few minutes. Now, let's get into our interview with Giovanni DiNapoli, the president of gastrointestinal at Medtronic. Well, Giovanni DiNapoli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Tom. Very happy to be here with you and thanks for the invite. Uh, my pleasure. Exciting times for the uh, gastrointestinal business. And I want to talk about GI Genius in a little while. But uh, first, I'd love to uh, understand what's your, uh, your, your path in, into medtech? You started out, I think, with J&J. With &J. How did that first, uh, that first job come to be? Yeah, actually, it was a very unique coincidence because I was not planning to join Metech. Uh, I was uh, happy in coaching basketball uh, in Italy at that time. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was assistant coach in first league in Livorno, which is a city close by Florence uh, in uh, first league. And uh, I had uh, a fantastic year, a blast, because we also won the championship and uh, we got to be the number one team uh, in Italy and, uh, you know, was wow. a new experience. Uh, but the same year, I also finished my economic degree. And, uh, you know, by just looking for, you know, some opportunities uh, with my uh, with my study, I, I came into this uh, ethical endosurgery uh, job uh, based in Rome. Uh, uh, they were looking for a sales rep. I said, you know what, let me give it a try and see if, uh, you know, my CV with my study would make any sense for them. And uh, just a few days after I got a call uh, for an interview, 
you and uh, I just wanted to challenge myself. I went down, I met uh, in Rome, I met uh, the country manager of ethical endosurgery and uh, I loved the energy and uh, what they were planning to do. They had uh, a unique project called, uh, I think it was Baselink, which is actually uh, something very, for that time, uh, very innovative uh, was uh, e-consignment. It was 2001. So you can imagine it was uh, early days on uh, <laughs> on the internet. Uh, Everything was uh, E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I went to the interview and, uh, you know, a couple of days after they called me back uh, because they wanted me to join and it was a very tough decision to leave uh, what I did for 20 years, uh, which was play basketball and coaching basketball. So, and uh, I just made a decision and uh, I don't regret it. I think I'm very, very happy and uh, still watching basketball. Uh, I have a lot of friends, uh, but enjoying this this world, enjoying MedTech. What was the uh, deciding factor to make that that change? That is, a, that is a big change. I mean, I guess you could look at basketball as being a career that you perhaps expected wouldn't be always be part of your life or the main part of your life. Or was this really uh, for you a, a, a big decision to say no more to that and to focus on something else? I think the person I met uh, in J&J inspired me. The, the, the value and the credo of J&J also inspired me. My dad also used to be a nurse. And uh, so there is some uh, background also in my family on helping patients. Uh, so I... I just uh, love the uh, culture, this this leader, and uh, I I also felt like this might be a very good opportunity for me, and uh, and also I wanted to challenge myself even more. So it was not easy, Tom. I I really had a uh, you know couple of rough weeks on uh, back and forth. Should I stay in basketball because I was still uh, in a good position to succeed? I was young and uh, I was able to potentially also move up in other teams in Italy, but. Uh, you know, I think uh, was driven by my heart, by my passion that I found in J&J at that time. That's great. Now, I think we've all, that, that's one of the things I enjoy about these podcasts is talking to everyone about those moments because I think we've all had them. Your moment, I thought, was going to come a little later when you joined Barracks uh, from J&J, leaving a big company for a small <laughs> company. Uh, how did you come to, uh, to work at, the, at that very cool startup in the gastro te- gastrointestinal space? Yeah, so I was uh, maybe seven years into J&J and uh, I was managing the business in Italy. I moved from uh, surgical division to endovascular to cardiovascular, um, had leadership position uh, uh, in Italy. And I wanted to to get out of the country. I wanted to be able to also experience Europe and uh, more uh, challenges across the European market. J&J at that time, uh, uh, they had not that many positions open. Uh, so what I did, I said, you know what, I'm going to start. I used this time to study and I took the opportunity to uh, go through an MBA at the Bocconi University in Milano. So I went out for uh, a loan with a bank, uh, got the money and uh, financed myself the MBA and uh, was two years uh, very intense. Uh, We also got the first baby uh, with my wife uh, during this MBA. Um, and then at the end of the MBA, there was an headhunter that was fishing for medtech experience. And I was the only one in the class because you can imagine we're engineers uh, and the consumer people. I was the only one from medtech. And so I was very, very happy to be able to talk to this headhunter. And uh, he had two options, a Boston Scientific with Watchmen. Um, and the second one was actually Barracks, which was a small company, no revenue, uh, I got to know again another strong leader. Uh, I interviewed with him uh, and um, you know, I saw some very strong clinical paper on the device. Uh, 
And, um, you know, with my wife, uh, we were able to get to a decision uh, that was a risky one at that point in time. But uh, again, with this decision, I'm able to now uh, talk to you and uh, sitting in this, uh, uh, in this position. Everything started from there. Oh, that's amazing. Did that bring you to, to California? Did you work at, uh, at uh, Barracks HQ or did you work for them in, in Europe? Uh, I'm now sitting where the CEO of Barracks was sitting in the same office. So oh, really? Actually pretty- <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I was, uh, yeah, I was in Europe. I was able to manage the European business. Uh, so we started from scratch. I was based in Rome, uh, but managing the European business. So I think uh, for the first three years, I took like uh, 200 flights every year. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was like crazy traveling, opening new accounts and, uh, and expanding the technology across the European markets. And then uh, Covidian came with the acquisition of Barracks. And uh, given imaging came with the acquisition uh, of Pilcam. That's right. And uh, I was able to stay because Covidian uh, didn't have experience in GI. And at that point, I really was able to build a lot of relationship across the European markets. Uh, and, uh, you know, I managed the acquisition of Given, uh, the integration. And then what happened was uh, the dream of being in the US uh, was still uh, always in my mind. And uh, a, a new position uh, became available in the US as vice president of sales. So it was 2014, it was August. And uh, what happened at that time, I uh, sent a text uh, to the general manager of, um, of the business, Bafa Jamali. And uh, I said, uh, have you thought about me, about this job? And uh, I didn't get any answer for, for a week, uh, which was very frustrating. <laughs> so I, I said, okay, maybe it's not for me. Uh, you know, I come from Europe. I don't know the US market. So maybe it's uh, not the job for me. But uh, a week after, I sat down in front of my laptop and uh, sent him an email uh, explaining why I was the right person for this job. And uh, sent email, it was Saturday night, uh, Italian time. And uh, so it was early in the morning here in California. And he answered very quickly, uh, nice, exclamation point. Now let's take a quick break from this interview with Gio DiNapoli to hear a little more from our sponsor, Boston Microfabrication. John Kawola is the CEO. John, what makes BMF's approach unique? So 3D printing's been around for 30 years, and there's a number of different uh, sort of core technologies that uh, have been developed from extrusion to, to photopolymers to metals to powders. We're different, really, uh, than anything that exists on the market today. We've taken a, a general concept that's used with some other manufacturers, and we're using a photopolymer process, but we've added a number of different components and features. One is a high-precision lens. Two is a very highly controlled XYZ movement, because people care about resolution, but they also care very much about accuracy and precision. And that's what really makes us different from what's available on the market today. That's great. And final question, John, where does this all fit into gastrointestinal and medical devices? Because we're addressing needs in the marketplace for high precision accuracy, again, that falls into a bunch of different vertical markets, but medical device is very much an area that is looking to miniaturize, whether that's uh, drug delivery devices, whether that's monitoring devices. These are all areas that medical device manufacturers have been chasing for years to be able to get things smaller, to be able to miniaturize. Things like uh, sensors and uh, diagnostic devices are all getting smaller. Lenses are getting smaller. But what's, what is challenging is often the packaging and the, the, the plastic uh, components on the polymers that sort of house those, those components. So 
What we're finding is a, re- a real need for addressing that drive to miniaturization. A very good example is endoscope heads. So that is sort of the tip of an endoscope. Typically, it's a very complex, small part with uh, holes and features on both sides of the part, uh, challenging to mold, expensive to mold. Uh, endoscope heads are a very good example of something that's also a consumable item, typically use it once for procedure. So that's very, you know, well within the reach of what's capable of that additive manufacturing. So we have a number of different uh, companies you know, looking at this and saying, one, it's ideal to prototype, but two, to really looking for this as an alternative to current uh, manufacturing methods, which is primarily injection molding, again, is expensive um, and time-consuming, and 3D printing is a nice, could, could potentially be a nice alternative. All right. Thanks again to John Koala and BMF for sponsoring this podcast. Again, go to bmf3d.com for more information. I sat down in front of my laptop and uh, sent him an email uh, explaining why I was the right person for this job. And uh, send email, I was Saturday night, uh, Italian time. And uh, so it was early in the morning here in California. And he answered very quickly, uh, nice, exclamation point. So which made me feeling, okay, the job is still open uh, and I can uh, try to get it. And uh, a few weeks after I flew to Boston, met a few executives and uh, went through the interview process. And then in October, I signed the contract and moved to the US in January. Fantastic. I love those those details, those moments when you decide to act and, and, it, and it pays off. And if you hadn't sent that email, who knows? So, uh, so you're, you're, you've been in the gastrointestinal space for, for, for a long time. Talk to me a bit about what you, you, you like about this market. I think it's one that, that has an amazing amount of innovation going on with, with, with things like GI Genius that we'll talk about, but we talked about the, 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 the swallowable cameras. You've got, you've got this, 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 the, uh, you've got that as well. What is it? it there, there is a lot of innovation in this space. I don't know if, though if it gets the attention that it, that others do like cardiac, like that people don't recognize all that's going on in this space. What do you like about gastrointestinal? I love this space because uh, it's the most uh, mini-invasive uh, uh, procedure, in my opinion, available uh, in, in MedTech, right? So you can do many, many different things uh, just uh, going through the endoscope. You know, in most of the cases, also, you don't require sedation in some procedures. Uh, so I, I knew that this space uh, would have been growing over the last uh, uh, 10, uh, 15 years. So, you know, technology uh, evolved uh, and also skills of of the endoscopist evolved. And, um, you know, the, uh, the idea for me was uh, to understand how these uh, technologies and this uh, uh, part of Meteca was going to be. And, and that's the reason why the last four years I spent a lot of time understanding also the strategy and, uh, and where actually this GI business could be, especially in Metronic. To me, the, uh, the, big, uh, the big take is that uh, uh, we want you to build a, a care continuum, right? So if you think about uh, uh, our business in Metronic, uh, uh, we, we used to be Pilcam and uh, Barracks. So that was basically the acquisition of COVID. And, you know, it was Pilcam and Barracks. Then Metronic came and we were still seeing as, okay, Metronic is not investing in GI. So this is the result of the acquisition of COVID. And so now what? And I could talk to many different endoscopists across the world, and they were not really believing in, uh, in, in Metronic. So they were not even thinking about Metronic being a GI company. Hmm. So that's where you know, we had to make a turnaround in terms of portfolio. So we could not be any more 
seen as a Pilcam company because Pilcam is big, is an important technology, uh, but the opportunities to go through this care continuum uh, once you diagnose a, a, a disease uh, was very important, very, very real uh, for us. And that's where we started to you know, shop around and also to develop uh, internally technologies that can make difference now uh, because we want to be leading this space. Uh, and we actually, we are actually in a good position to do that. Talk to me for a moment about the, the GI specialty. Are the physicians in this specialty uh, quick to adopt new technology or are they tough to convince? You know, uh, I used to work in cardiology and radiology, and uh, it's night and day. You know? So they're much more aggressive. Uh, I do remember when I used to work for J&J for Cardis, uh, when we launched a Cypher stance, uh, it was a quick adoption. And uh, GIs are different, much more conservative. Uh, they need to have one more study all the time. They are slow uh, adopters, so it's not easy. Uh, but they're very loyal, which means, uh, you know, when they buy into technology because uh, there is clinical evidence, uh, then they really dig into it. And actually, that's actually a good piece for us. That's the reason why we wanted to build a portfolio that have uh, enough clinical evidence and the right clinical evidence to show patient outcome and the benefit of our devices. It's, a, it's an interesting point. And, and just looking at the... Uh... The way that GI technology is covered, I think there's a stronger connection with, with the patient as well. I think as, as someone reading about this technology, you can sort of, I don't know, you, you seem to have more, a, t- a tighter connection to this technology than you might with, with cardiac and stuff, which seems out of your experience a bit. But if you're a potential user of or, or a patient in which an endoscope like this will be used, you can under, you can connect with it more. Like you can see, you can understand why a pill cam would be more beneficial. You can understand why a, a, a more uh, accurate colonoscopy is going to benefit you. There just seems to be a real tangible connection with, with patients and with med tech. Do you, do you sense that as well or am I reaching? I, I do because most of these diseases that we we manage, we diagnose, we treat are very common, right? So they live with you, right? Reflux, uh, colonoscopy, CRC, liver. So all of these uh, potential issues that we face, you know, in our daily life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the reason why. The goal was also for us uh, to get to a point where we can simplify diagnosis, uh, get diagnosis earlier, and treat this disease earlier to prevent the progression, progression to cancer, progression to you know even uh, uh, more tougher uh, diseases. That's great. Well, let's first focus on the, the 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 new GI operating unit. What does that look like, and, and and has your philosophy, your approach changed to growing this business now that you're you're sort of the head of this, now that you're the head of this new group? Uh, we, somehow, no. A reason why is because uh, we used to be in a, uh, in a nice space even before this uh, new operating model, which means uh, we try to be always nimble and agile, even uh, in the old Medtronic. Uh, I'll give you an example. I was already managing the US business directly, and I was the only exception across Medtronic. That was because of the early days with Covidian and post-acquisition, we were able to maintain the ownership of the business in the US. So this hasn't changed. Uh, we were also able to globalize the company even more than what we were supposed to because relationship-wise, we were able to build a strong relationship with many key opinion leaders uh, across the globe from the US. I come from Europe. Uh, I know the European market upside down. Mm-hmm. I spent five years in managing sales in the US. So I know very well key opinion leaders in the US. Uh, 
all of these key opinion leaders have relationship with Chinese key opinion leaders, Japanese key opinion leaders, uh, uh, South America. So it's a small community that uh, we were able to build and bring forward all together. Now, what has changed for sure is the pace. You know, I can uh, thank Jeff enough for this change because I can see uh, there is a huge upside for us now to move even faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually really changed a lot. Owning uh, the business now in the region gives us also accountability, uh, decision-making, and also understanding better where to invest, how to invest, and how to improve our ROI in many of these projects we have going on, including also BD, including also technologies which are coming to market now. Will you be investing more in new technologies, uh, earlier stage companies that are developing new technologies uh, with this sort of newfound freedom, or at least reinforced freedom? You know, uh, this the space we are now in GI, uh, the portfolio we built uh, in the last three years is very solid, is mm-hmm. very innovative. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this not because of my position. I know I'm biased, but if you, <laughs> if you talk to uh, GIs across the globe, now they see Metronic being the most innovative company in GI. If you look at our portfolio versus other companies, uh, clearly we have uh, made a huge progress in terms of uh, helping our customers to improve uh, performance and patient's outcome in many different areas. Uh, I mean, the latest one is AI with Geogenius. Uh, you just mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, so we knew this two years ago when we wanted to get into AI, not only with Geogenius, but also with other technologies across the portfolio. So I would say right now our focus is execution. So we have a very robust portfolio. We can drive business fast and faster than before. Clearly also we want to complete our portfolio with additional technologies, which are very important and complementary uh, to what we do. Uh, it's a mix of BD, but also internal development. Uh, we have the um, uh, opportunity also, and the honor to have uh, engineers in uh, Silicon Valley in Israel uh, and also in Ireland. So three major hub of innovation globally. And we're using them in a way that it makes sense. You know, they work together, we have big projects uh, and uh, we don't go uh, beyond what we can. So we pick and choose the one that can make a big difference in the market and also in the patient's outcome. Well, let's talk a bit about uh, GI Genius. Like you said, I mentioned it a few times already. Tell us what it's it's able to do and how do you what does a rollout look like? Because this, I mean, this is the kind of thing where a patient reads the article in Wired and says to themselves, when I have this procedure done, I would very much like them to use this because it just seems like it'll be much more accurate. Is there an effort there to really to reach out to to those type of patients in, in marketing this sort of system? So uh, what we want to do now and what we're doing now since the approval from last week is to really go into our market with our customers, let them know what this technology can do, uh, why it is it is really strong and, and, and really the best. I told my team a couple of times uh, to remember three things. First, uh, AI technology approved in the US, best because we have a randomized control trial that proved this technology to be working very, very well and must. Mm-hmm. Must because it's a must have in our portfolio to fight CRC. We have a a series of technologies also to treat color cancer. And the Geogenius is going to help to identify these lesions earlier. So first, best and must. Um, the strategy is to go top down for sure with our GI customers, but also uh, 
help patients understanding why AI can also benefit uh, this procedure. So we're not going to go aggressively on, on patient, uh, but no, they they will know uh, because this is now you know common in medtech, uh, and I think you know the more they will see AI, I, I see a future where colonoscopy needs to be performed with AI assisted technologies, mm-hmm. uh, and that's maybe a place where in two or three years we should be able to be. And what about the, the the smart pill technology? Is that something that's going to <laughs> displace colonoscopy, or is it is it more of a, a, a an additive, or or is it complement it? Well, uh, my vision is that in the next ten years, colonoscopy is going to become uh, only therapeutic. Uh, so you basically go for a colonoscopy when there is something to be removed. You know, there will be a variety of different tests. Uh, you know, you have a feed test, you have DNA test, uh, you're going to have also liquid biopsy, and also you will have PILCAM. You know, depends on the type of patients uh, uh, and background and also family history, some of these uh, options uh, will be maybe better fit for some of these patients. But the uh, colonoscopy procedure is, is invasive uh, for a screening test. So clearly, GIs knows that this is going to change in the next 10 years. Uh, I, I remember a couple of years ago, a GI saying in a conference that if you don't get into therapeutic as endoscopist, you will lose your job because colonoscopy is going to move into therapy more than screening. How, how about some of the, uh, the other screening that's gone on using... Uh fecal tests and such. Is that a, is there an opportunity for Medtronic to, to work there or is that a different business entirely? Well, uh, you know, we, uh, we are focusing on, uh, on PILCAM. I think what we believe uh, visualization uh, is very important. Uh, you know, if you think about DNA and fit, uh, it's going to be an answer, yes or no. Uh, but you don't know where the lesion is going to be located and how this lesion look like. So the value of PILCAM is that you can visualize, localize, and size the lesion. So that's where actually we believe uh, the, benefit of, the benefit of a camera uh, into your colon, uh, taking pictures and showing also this outcome to the GI before you go for a therapeutic colonoscopy is going to help also the therapy afterwards. Makes sense. So looking forward, uh, where does your growth come from? You've had uh, your financial performance. It looks like you had some growth over this period of time. I guess that would, my first question would be, how were you impacted during COVID? Because I imagine a lot of people put off <clears throat> colonoscopies during this. Uh, but then, well, let's let's focus on that question. And then I'll ask about growth after that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, COVID uh, uh, hit very hard on us last year for the first three months of the lockdown. Uh, many of these elective cases uh, were canceled, uh, including also some of these diagnostic tests uh, were canceled and postponed. I think we were able to get out of this uh, during the summer period of last year. Now we are almost back to uh, pre-pandemic, uh, there is a backlog of patients uh, which you know needs to receive also these uh, treatments or diagnosis. Uh, I don't know if you read the article, but a few weeks ago they mentioned that 87% of people who were supposed to get screening colonoscopy they skip it last year because mm-hmm. of COVID. So this is a big problem uh, because some of these patients, uh, you know, uh, they would have uh, found a polyp or adenoma. And uh, now, I mean, they're late to this screening. So that's the reason why there is a lot of uh, efforts from GI to offset this backlog uh, with additional uh, uh, cases per day uh, to make sure also they can recover this, uh, this issue. No, I read that. That's, that. that's a big number. So final question, where does uh, your growth come from? I remember talking to Barrett 
Barracks when it was uh, before it was acquired by Covidia, and I talked to the CEO. I know there was a lot of growth in China for what they were working on, but where do you see your growth in gastrointestinal coming from? Is it in US, OUS, both? Uh, what what does the future look like? I think uh, we're uh, making a lot of efforts uh, to globalize the business even more. I mean, think about China, uh, GI diseases and cancer are very common. Uh, so we are not where we have to be uh, yet. And we are really putting a lot of efforts uh, to expand the portfolio as well as also our footprint uh, with our commercial organization. So China would say is number one priority. Uh, I think Europe uh, and um, and also US are, are going to mean a lot for us because Europe, uh, uh, you know, we were able to also uh, use this uh, situation with COVID uh, to help uh, more patients, especially in the UK. I don't know if you read, but we had a couple of uh, articles where the NHS uh, uh, is using actually our PILCAM colon technology uh, to offset the backlog of colonoscopy. Uh, yeah, we get into an agreement with the NHS uh, for a couple of years, which is very important to us. So, so Europe is going to be in a trajectory of growth uh, uh, because of the investment we made in the last two years. US, uh, clearly, you know, we have a very robust uh, portfolio and team. GI Genius could be, you know, a big one for us if we execute this well. But China and Japan, uh, these two region are critical to us. So if we want to double the business, uh, these two regions need to perform. That's where actually we're investing more than anything else. That was my final question, but I just have to ask, you've got the sign Dream Big behind you. I've been staring at it during the whole interview. Is I hope that's your office. I hope there's a good question, but what, is, what does that message uh, say to you? Uh, it does say to me and uh, also to my team that uh, we can become very relevant to, uh, to Medtronic. Uh, so we want to be the fastest growing business across the 20 OUs. And uh, that's our goal. And by doing this, we can help millions of patients worldwide with our technologies. Good message. All right, Giovanni, I appreciate you taking a few minutes with us on the, on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to you. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Giovanni DiNapoli for joining us on Medtronic Talks. If you'd like to hear other Medtronic stories, please go to Medtronic's website. You can find Medtronic Talks up there. You can go to the devicetalks.com website, look for podcasts, and Medtronic Talks is featured prominently right there. We have every episode up there waiting for you to listen. Of course, you'd be better off subscribing. So go to any podcast application that you can think of, Google, Apple, Amazon. We're up there, and you can subscribe and get future episodes sent directly to you. Thanks again to Giovanni DiNapoli for joining us on the podcast. And thanks again to our sponsor, Boston Microfabrication. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you share it on social media channels. You can find me out there. I'm on Twitter at MedTechTom. I'm on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi. Just uh, connect me to any posting you do. I'd love to be part of that conversation. All right, folks, that's it. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.